Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? All right. To everybody's surprise, we are back with another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This week for episode 394 with Chris Kiefer in studio, Marvin Muscan, Cameron McAdoo and Adam Cincerillo on the line. And we're also going to touch on the live show from Portland a little bit. Uh, talk about that because I love those things. Uh, I want to thank Steve Mathis for allowing me to continue to do this and not have me clip just quite yet. I want to thank all the sponsors, BTO Sports, Fly Racing, Vertex Pistons, Vortex Racing, Racetech Suspension and Engines, the Michelin Star Cross Fives, Maxima Oils, Expert Goggles, Pro Filter Works Connection, the Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com, and LAHondaWorld.com. And of course, OGO and Ride Engineering all on board with the Pulpamex show. If you want to check out the links uh, for all those sponsors and discount codes, it's PulpamexShow.com. Uh, so tonight, we've got a couple fans on the line and... WSA provides the best quality wheels in the business. Whether you're racing professional supercross or just a weekend warrior, W has the wheels for you. W can even restore your old wheels, so visit WUSA.com and let John and Kristen Anderson take care of you. WSA brings you Mr. Eric Harvey. What's up, Eric? Hey, Darkside. I'm doing well. Uh, without doing a little uh, grinding this morning on the bicycle, and uh, now I'm just really looking forward to being on the show here and... Uh, Trying to work on your status here a little bit, uh, <laughs> seeing that you're on probation. Yeah, I, I need it, man, because uh, as, as you've seen probably on Twitter and on the voicemails, uh, the, the, the haters are out. So got to have some thick skin, I guess, but it's, it's all good. Um, also on the line, brought to you by Guts Racing. If you're looking for a high-performance seat cover and foam, Guts Racing is it. Andy Gregg and Guts are providing seats for many of the best riders in the world. It's many of the best teams. So visit GutsRacing.com today. Guts Racing brings you Mr. Kurt Schroyer. What's up, Kurt? Not much, man. What's going on? Glad to be on tonight. And, yeah, the cap off that. Uh, definitely want to get you off probation to hear more after shows. Well, yeah, I, I mean... I appreciate it if you guys actually like them. Uh, you know, I understand it's not for everybody, and that's yeah. I'm a pretty easygoing guy, so I don't really mind that people don't like it. Um, you know, the <laughs> been getting I've been getting bombarded lately on the Pulp Show, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to make Steve proud tonight. Um, so I want to start off by just kind of getting to know you guys just a little bit. Uh, Eric, how long have you been a, a Pulp listener? Yeah, so I've actually been listening to the show for quite a while now. I kind of came in, I guess, like post-Paul Lindsay, kind of in the Kenny era. Okay. Which uh, I kind of stopped racing bicycles and was I really started to get back into moto like as a fan after, uh, you know, I raced as a kid and a teenager and everything. And so I kind of, I've been with it since like 2011. So, yeah, quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's awesome. And we're going to touch on some of that uh, this evening. And Kurt, how about you? Um, I've been on and off throughout the years. Um, not very consistent until Charlotte MXGP when, uh, 
Webb put the whooping on hurlings, and then after that, it, it just uh, became more convenient with jobs and stuff. So I always uh, threw my headphones on and at work and listen to every show every week. Okay, so that the reason you kind of came back and got more consistent was was the change in job. Just you know, I guess it's not always easy to listen to these things if you're not in a vehicle or if you don't have a lot of downtime early. Right. All right. Yep. Well, yep. Yeah, well, let's touch on, uh, before we get into Monday night show, let's touch on the live show up from Portland for Washougal. Uh, you know, we got Chris Kiefer, JT, Wygan on stage. These things, these live shows, I've got to do a few of them. I think I've done three or four of them. They, they seem to be getting better. They, they're pretty damn popular, I think, and I really can see these things growing. Have either of you, well, let's go with you, Eric. Have you had a chance to do one of these live? No, I haven't yet had a chance to. Um, it just hasn't lined up with my schedule, unfortunately, uh, to make it one. I mean, I saw a couple of the pit shows mm-hmm. when I was at uh, A2 and, and Seattle, but I haven't made a live show yet. But they sound great. I mean, I think what's cool about the live show is it kind of, like, you can cover some of the new stuff, but it's almost like Steve has, like, all these little cult things about pulp. And you can bring them out in the live environment, right? Like the drops and people from the crowd yelling the drops. Yeah. I think it's just really cool. Like it kind of, it shows you how captivated people are by this. Yeah, I agree. At, at Denver, soon as Kiefer came out, uh, people started chanting, you know, Rick, Rick. And that was a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree. These guys are getting better and better with each show. And I, I'd like to see a lot more of them. How about you, Kurt? Have you had a chance to see any? And what, what do you think of the live show concept? Uh, no, I have not seen one live in person. I definitely would love to. Um, I think the whole concept behind it, I think it's actually awesome. Um, especially like JT. Um, I know when he's on Pulp MX, he's very professional, obviously with his job. You gotta, you know, keep your manners and all, but like with that live show, I was listening to it in the truck and I was actually laughing out loud because how relaxed he was, just the way he was, like, kind of cussing here and there. It just kind of brought out his true personality, and it seems like that's how everybody is on the show when they're doing it live like that. Everybody's just there talking, being themselves for once, and that's something that a lot of the fans want to see is just them shooting the shit and not trying to be all PC, so... Yeah, I totally agree. There was a comment made, and I think it was the... I'm always positive it was a live show where... Um, somebody said something like, um, can you come again or something? And JT said, uh, you have to give me 24 hours. And I was like, whoa, JT. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> little, yeah. little risque. Well, that, that show, uh, was great. They, it was coming off the week of the fly summer camp, which I hate that I wasn't invited to. It's kind of a bummer, but, um, you know, they Kiefer, we know Kiefer is a, Man, he loves gear as much as he loves women and riding almost. And he, he talked about just wanting that sneak peek. I can only imagine what it was like for him getting to that summer camp for the first moment and seeing all that gear. And he kind of touched on it a little bit in this live show, uh, Eric. Um, yeah, just kind of touch on that a little bit. What do you think about them talking about the summer camp? And, and doesn't that just seem like an amazing event? Well, I think one of the coolest things about Chris on the show is his passion. Like, I mean, it shows through on pretty much every subject he's into, but 
like with the gear and everything, it just shows you like like Moto is the guy's life, and he is all in. And you know, I can only imagine like when he gets the first images of the gear, he's just like zooming in and hounding on the computer, looking at them. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so to yeah. be there live for him, it's just got to be like overload, right? Yeah. All right, so Kurt, we're not going to touch on this episode a ton. Uh, these live episodes are fantastic. If you haven't listened, you need to go check it out. But there's a couple things that they brought up in this show that I want to touch on. And, and it was the first that I had heard of, because I, I wasn't on social media a whole lot Friday, of Roxon and Sexton switching bikes, which, uh, you know, why they did it, we don't know. But them, yeah. them talking about it and bringing it up was kind of like it was exciting and going, oh, shit, I got to go check this out. Right. I heard about that too, and you know, obviously, listening to them talking about it, um, that actually gave me a good laugh because uh, I grew up, you know, obviously growing up racing and stuff. And uh, one of my buddies, we were pretty fast in the local area, and we actually did that one time, and um, it was actually kind of funny just uh, throw a wrench into it. And I think it's kind of cool, you know. Obviously, they're getting paid lots of money. They're, you know. That's kind of like screwing off in your job in a way. Yeah. But you know, like if you're if you're getting caught, you know, caught at work horsing around or something, doing something you're not supposed to be doing. But I kind of get it. It's a little more re- relaxed environment, <laughs> but um, at right. the same time, like they should be focused on their own bike. They should be focused on getting their settings in, dialed in, and also. Uh, I don't know. It, it just depends on which side you look at it. Do you look at it from that's kind of cool on a fan base side, or do you look at it as a higher up as a professional saying, yeah, we can't be having people do that, you know, liability, risk issues, if you're not on our bike or sure. whatnot. So, right. um, But, yeah, I thought it was kind of neat. Well, Eric, another, you know, like we kind of touched on it a little bit with these live shows. You, you see the camaraderie, the, the brotherhood between – the four guy, the four main guys from Pulp, you know, like I said, Steve, Jason, JT, and uh, Chris, love having them together. But a highlight for me with this episode, this live show, they had just reenacted Steve being trapped under the bike. Uh, Steve fully believes this thing is accurate. He asked the crowd, like, who thinks it was a 90% reenactment? And he got booze. I mean, uh, which, which for me was just like the highlight of the show. I mean, Zacho was great. Justin Bogle was great, but this moment and, and then Kiefer saying the bike looked like a teeter totter on Steve. Uh, geez, man, I don't know if that had me laughing out loud. What, what, what about you, Eric? What are your thoughts on the test? And we're going to touch a bit. They touched on it at the main show. We're going to talk about that with Moosegan too, but talk about that with the live show. Well, I think it's pretty funny because I think Steve, like his initial reaction after the crash, you know, on the next show was just all, you know, like, he went all in on, you know, like, Mark should be able to get out from under the bike and yeah. everything. But then this is where Steve just is classic Steve. He doubles down, right? Like Absolutely. He, he's like, people are like, you know, uh, you're crazy, you're crazy. He's like, well, I'm going to prove it then, you know, <laughs> and he does the video and everything. And, I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny, you know, like, he brings it up, like, it's 90% real. He knows it's not. He knows it's 100% not the same situation. But, uh he likes to have some fun about it. So uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's where, you know, he crosses over to, you know, playing to the audience. Entertainment. Heavily. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny, you know, like he, he could at some point 
you know, maybe admit that with a lot of his rants and issues, Chick-fil-A, whatever, that, okay, maybe I'm wrong, but he will not. He's going to go with it. Uh, and, you know, and just he just kept screaming like, hey, go the other way, go the other way, which I, I don't know about you. I, I've been trapped under a bike before. That rear wheel spinning, I ain't moving because as soon as the rear wheel hits the ground, the bike's going to move. So, yeah, it, it's just funny. Um, he does a great job with that stuff. And this this live show was just further proof of why what they do, their product is so good. Uh, Zach Osborne spending some time on the show coming in on the night before a race was fantastic. Uh, they they did one of the other thing I want to touch on was JT discussing the pit bike race. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember he mentioned you know him and Josh Moseman kind of getting into it a little bit. JT could yeah, be yeah. JT can be aggro, Kurt man. I mean I'd be scared to be on the track with with JT. <laughs> yeah I I don't know I to me I wouldn't be bothered by it. I wouldn't be bothered by. It lining up next to him or Weston Pike besides them laughing me about five times in a 10-lap in a <laughs> yeah, race. Yeah. But, but size on size and stuff like that, like, I don't know. I mean, you you put on your pants the same way he does, and I get that aggression. Like, I mean, I grew up wrestling my entire life and fought in the MMA, and uh, nice. so I, I get that. But, um, yeah, uh, so when you, see, when you see fire, you definitely want to go after somebody and for – obviously for him doing the pit bike race it was good that he pulled off but i totally get that i'd be wanting to grab somebody by the throat and half a heartbeat (laughs) all right well you you and jt have some things in common it sounds like a couple other little quick things uh there was a pretty funny story about will and nick way will will talking about what would happen how long you know, would Nick Way uh, be like romantically interested in Will? Basically, is how it was hinted at. If they were trapped on a desert island, great story, you guys. If you haven't listened to the live show, go download it right now uh, after the wrap up show, of course. And and of course, Corey Moser. Uh, nobody knows who he is, but he is a classic character. When he's live, uh, he told a pretty entertaining story, I guess, and dropped the mic. And that was that was the highlight of Corey Moser for the live show. Um, Let's move into episode 394 with Chris Kiefer. For me, and I know we're not really supposed to give our opinions, but you know that's what we do anyway. Kiefer is still probably my all-time favorite in-studio guest. Uh, some people, you know, some people think he goes a little too far with the Kiefer After Dark stuff. I personally do not. Eric, uh, thoughts on Kiefer and the progression of the show over the years with some of these new guests? Like Chris has been on for a while, but he wasn't one of the early guests. Yeah, you know, it's uh, interesting, Dark Side. when, um, you know, knowing I was going to come on here, I kind of was thinking back to, like, Chris's first appearance on the show um, as a host, and he actually was a co-host with DV. Um, and the, the, he, that was his very first hosting. Um, it was both he and DV came up. And you know what you're going to get with DV, right? You're going to get some, you're going to get some great quotes, and you're going to get some yelling and then by the end of the night he just wants to be in the casino and he's kind of checked out (laughs) yeah and so so chris kind of went through that and i was kind of like well you know like at that time i was like well okay chris is you know he's kind of just tagged along and maybe steve's throwing him a you know a favor here to kind of you know come on the show he was working for dirt rider you know yeah little cross promotion and then steve brought him back on his own a few weeks later and i was kind of like this is when he was doing the rotating hosts post you know, post Kenny, so he had Mason, he had a bunch of guys kind of rotating through. He brought Chris in, and I was like, I was, my initial feeling was, I don't think this guy's probably strong enough personality to carry a show 
with Steve. But uh, it's interesting. You know, he just kind of he just kind of grew into it. I think, and and like I was saying before, like like with Chris, it's the passion, right? Like that's the thing that really really you see come out in Chris. And I think he's one of those guys. Like I mean, he's a great rider, and you know, race pro in Canada, he's raced Supercross. But Chris, I think himself would say, like I never made the top level in the sport yet. He he doesn't carry like a lot of guys when they kind of get really close to it, but don't quite get it. They carry this weird chip on their shoulder and this ego, and I've seen it in various sports like hockey, maybe not so much in moto, but it can happen in moto as well. Chris has none of that, right? Yeah. Like the guy doesn't have a real like the ego never comes out with Chris. He's just he is what he is. He's very he just puts it out there. I yeah, totally agree. That's a very good assessment of Chris Kiefer. Kurt, speaking of Chris Kiefer and the regular rotating guests of the show over the years, uh, like you said, you kind of came back to it in the last couple of years, but I'm sure you've gone back, listened to some old shows. Um, what do you think about the the progression, again, of the guests? You know, uh, early on, there, there, there weren't as many in-studio guests in the early stages other than like uh, Lindsay and Watson. Now there's all there's guys like Randy Richardson who have become characters within the 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 show almost like the Howard Stern show has their whack packers. You've got um, Chris right. Kiefer, you have Randy Richardson. Uh, you know uh, Eddie uh, Eddie Ray hasn't been on in a while, but some of those guys. What do you think about how Steve rotates these guys and has built this family? I to be honest, I think that is huge. Um, you know, especially having like you know your uh, Randy Richardson in there. Like, that dude is phenomenal. I actually got to hang out with him at Motocross Disney Nations because Red Bud's about a three-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive from where I live. And um, so, yeah, we actually got to go party with him a lot and hang out. And uh, so just hearing him on there and, you know, all these other guys like Michael Lindsay. So, um you know, he's been helping out Jeff Walker. I'm sure you know who he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Walker is one of our local guys here. He lives about 15 minutes down the road from me. And uh, so we go. We have this local track over here called MX Express that we go at on uh, every Tuesday. And he's over there hammering laps, and he's talking about, you know, all the great stuff he's getting. And so, you know, seeing Michael Lindsay and these guys be on the show and kind of express how we have these up-and-comer guys that are not going down the same path a lot of these other kids are where they're doing homeschooling. They're doing, you know, these camps all year round and stuff where, yep, a legit college student going to school and still making the time to catch up with everybody else with the training and the cycling and the biking and still getting to the track to put in lap times to get better. Yeah. And and it shows. Like it truly shows. And that's really cool when, you know, we all get together around here, just a, a few of the buddies and we watch the you know, the races and you know, Jeff Walker's out there pulling top thirty, you know, mid mid twenty you know, twenty fifth and like that's really impressive when you take a step back and look at it. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, he's 25th. Like, he's not good. <laughs> right, right. But in reality, like, you're running 25th at a pro national and you're a college student and you have all this other stuff and you're driving back and forth from Florida to Ohio. 
type. It's really cool. And now he's got that whole jaywalk thing, which uh, I think Steve Mathis needs to jump on under the wagon with that. He seems like he tries blowing uh, Jeff Walker off every time Michael Lindsay brings him up on the show. So I don't know what's going on with that, but maybe huh. it's just because he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah he, maybe he just hasn't met him yet. That's interesting. Um I'm going to do my shameless plug right here real quick. Jeff Walker has been on the Moto X Pod show. There you go, Steve. But um, I, I would bet yeah. that I would bet that Steve would do a privateer island pod with with Jeff, and that's something guys like that are like. I would say Steve's bread and butter almost. That's one of the reasons Steve I think is so successful is that he does have a lot of those guys, you know, the A-Rays, the Jeff Walkers. Uh, he's had John Short on. He had Zane Merritt on recently. He, he does that stuff because he, right. knows, he knows that's the backbone of the sport. Uh, you know, the, the casual fan, the, 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 all the people showing up for Supercross, they're there to see Eli Tomac and Kenny Roxon. But he's, he yeah. knows where the, the backbone of it is, and I think he does a great job with that. Uh, you know, speaking of Eli... We, uh, early in the show, caller Dylan, he calls in and he, he he's basically uh, calls Steve his accountability on um, this is why we criticize Eli. Basically, you, is you're holding him to an impossible standard. And Steve Steve just cuts him off and doesn't really want to hear it almost. But I, I kind of think I think this guy is right to a degree. Um, Steve is pretty harsh on Eli at times uh, when he's still top three or four. Um, what do you think, Eric? Well, I got to preface this with the fact that I am definitely a Tomac guy. So oh, okay. I will, I will put, try to put my bias aside here. I, I mean, I do feel like, like it, he's kind of hemmed himself into a no win situation where he either has to win like he did in Washougal or there's a problem, but if he throws it away, then he's a guy who crashes like Stu. Right, mm -hmm. and and he's kind of put himself in this box, but like people have put him in this box. The media, fans, everybody. I I think Steve, deep down inside, I think Steve is pro Eli, and you oh, hear it whenever he talks about race predictions, and when he talks about, you know, like season predictions and stuff. Like he's very pro Eli Tomac. I think, uh, you know, I think deep down inside he worries a little that maybe Eli doesn't like him. But I think he likes the family. I think he likes the obviously he's in the Kawasaki truck where that's like Steve's second home. <laughs> I I kind of feel like like so but but at the same time, yeah, he can come down he can come down a little harsh on him at times, but I think that's just consistent with everybody at this point. It's hard not to when you can have a Washugal but then you can have a Dallas Supercross where he rides around in 12th. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to figure out, man. It really is. It so is. I, and Steve, I, Steve's not afraid, which, you know, he's not afraid to hurt feelings when he does his job, whether it be writing an article or live on one of the, the, one of the Steve Mathis shows, Pulp Show, whatever. He's not afraid of hurting these guys' feelings. Um, and, and honestly, that's not so easy to do in a sport that's so small. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely when I go to these races and try to do interviews, uh, I'm not necessarily willing to push some of those buttons that Steve is. Um, all right, Kurt. So I want to touch on, to ask you a little bit over the years, the, the show's evolved. We keep talking about that tonight a little bit. Um, you know, the early days with Paul Lindsay and Watson, there were sound issues, technical issues. Uh, I always have to remind myself that when I, you know, when I have issues with the, the wrap up show, what do you think about the way Steve has, 
progressed from the early days to now it's live on Facebook every week. He has all these other podcasts that he does day in and day out. Privateer Island, uh, you know, whatever the, the Coy Gibbs interview recently. He's doing stuff on Patreon for listeners that's exclusive. Um, he's really progressed what he does. What do you think about it and, and you know, and the process that he's gone through over the last five years or so? Well, I think what he's doing is actually really smart. Um, it's making it more accessible for a incoming fan, I guess you could say. Like, I'm not going to call it, like, Steve said it. He's calling us that are on the show tonight, Eric and I, super fans. But, Steve, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a super fan. A super fan is a guy that gets geeked out, all right? Like, talking to you i don't do that so we're gonna get that across i think i called you a super fan i think that was me yeah maybe maybe you i don't know anyways beyond that point but just bringing in new fans i think is uh really cool so with the with the app especially Mm -hmm. or stitcher or just watching on facebook live because there are a lot of people that will get the notification like i myself you know I'll be getting ready to go to bed at 9 o'clock Eastern time, and all of a sudden it pops up. And while I'm laying in bed for, like, you know, half hour, I'll be sitting there getting bitched at by my wife because <laughs> um, I'm laying in bed watching yeah. it, you know. And But, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And like I said, that gives that's kind of like a fish hook, you know. It just gets people hooked on it enough to want to pursue the app, and then before you know it, you're getting pissed off every single damn weekend because you're doing this fantasy shit that you should not be wasting all your time on. Sure. And, uh, so, so yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Hats off to Steve. He's doing a good thing. And, um, Definitely keep it up, especially with the keeper testing and the privateer island. Absolutely. Those are really good podcast to listen to. All right, Eric, we're going to get into our first guest of the night, or Steve's first guest of the night, which is Marvin Muscan. Uh, and I want to ask about the guests here in a moment with you. But Marvin had a lot of really interesting points, I thought. Steve, Steve first of all, right at the beginning of the interview, um, again, Steve was pretty blunt with him. He said, hey, your starts haven't been good. Your average starts are, I think, 9.6. You've had some crashes. Like he he threw it right at Marvin. Hey man, you've been struggling, and uh, you know Marvin had a, a really good comeback. You know, or a response. Yeah, I need to be more careful. I need to be more patient. Like that. That was that wasn't just fluff. That was Steve getting in there and being like, Hey, what's going on? This is what's up. Um, and then of course they they get into a little fluff with the 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 being trapped under the bike segment afterwards. But what what do you think of that opening part of Steve kind of? Not going after Marvin so much, but just, you know, it was an honest, hard interview. Well, I think that's probably a function of, you know, Marvin's been on the show enough times now, and Steve's had him post-race quite a few times. I feel like, you know, as he builds a rapport with these guys, he gets a little better at maybe being able to come in hotter on a question like that, whereas, you know, maybe four years ago, like say when Marvin was winning in 250s, he hasn't spoken to him as much. You know he's got to kind of he's got to come in a little softer, and Marvin's pretty good at giving a long answer yes, to just is. about anything, right? Yeah. So I'm sure Steve kind of cut that question up to kind of be like, I'm just going to put this out here blunt to Marvin, so he doesn't have a way to dance around my question as much. Yeah. So that, that's sort of my take on it. 
I really thought that the highlight of the whole Marvin interview, though, for me was, and this is where I thought it, this is where I felt like Steve really orchestrated that interview well, was the story about Marvin in 2007, right? And mm-hmm. how he missed the main event because he was in the motorhome. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's kind of what builds that bond, both like for the interviewer and the writer, but also that connects the fans and the listeners to Marvin in a way that you'll never get with a podium interview or a post-race interview, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There there was definitely some connection there. That that was actually a story I did not know, and I was pretty surprised by it. I actually went back and listened to it just a little bit before we started the show, just to listen, re-listen to that. Um, and then, Kurt, that really, like, going off what Eric said, they, they kind of build that bond, and towards the end of the interview, when Marvin's talking about MX of Nations, and I think Kiefer had asked him if he would ride, Marvin was really honest, man, like to a point where I was I was very surprised by his answer saying, like, even if they did ask me, I'd ask them, like, why would you want me? You didn't want me last year. Um, pretty, pretty impressed with that response from Marvin, Kurt. Yeah, I don't know how I'd take that. Um, Explain. I mean, if, it, if that was me personally, I don't know if I'd want to go like. Well, it sounded like he didn't. You had the you had you had the opportunity to what's that? I said it sounded like he doesn't want to go. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I mean, you had the opportunity to take me last year, but now you want me this year. So, give me a good reason why I should give you my time now. Yeah, you know, and like what he's saying. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess time will tell what he says, but. Yeah, I just I really liked his honesty, and it's something that you know. Again, you're not going to get this stuff watching like uh, you know an interview with Will Christian, who does a great job, but you're not going to get that kind of response on a, right, on, a right. on a segment on the Pro Motocross Nationals or in Supercross. Like you're not going to get that. You get the the same kind of the cookie cutter stuff we always get on those shows, but. Steve, again, he builds these bonds with these guys. He goes to these races and he jokes with them. He he goes to the JGR truck and eats their ice cream bars and shoots the shit. Um, and, and it allows the show, these riders to come on and f- most of the time feel pretty comfortable with them. Um, Eric, since you've been listening the longest, have you seen a, prog- have you noticed a progression of, I keep saying progression, but have you noticed the the evolution of the relationship with him and these guests from maybe in the early stages where it was more serious to now it's like he's friends with most of them or, or does it seem the same to you? Well, I think this show almost is a good canned observation of that. So you've got like Marvin on there who, you know, I think Steve, he's had a lot of interview time with him, but he has been on. Then you follow it up with Adam, right? Adam's been on there since he was riding 85s and training at RVs. He and Steve are very close. And, like, that bond is super tight there, and it's a very comfortable thing for him to have Adam on the show. And then you see a more, you know, like, you see sort of how things are starting to evolve with, say, McAdoo, right, when he's on the show. Sorry, I know we're, I'm jumping ahead again, but I think there's actually a a good little progression here where you see, like, with McAdoo, that, that relationship is relatively young still. And if you compare, say, the interview with Adam, and the interview with McAdoo, the McAdoo one's much more mechanical, just about how you're riding, what's up for next year, et cetera, right? Sure, Whereas sure. There's just more of a natural comfort, say, between him and Adam. It, 
I think as time goes on, most of the riders build a rapport with Steve. And, I mean, one of the best examples, if you go back and listen, is Davey Millsaps, right? I mean, Steve and all, well, all the media have written Davey off so many times when he was racing. He took a lot of crap from Steve at various points. But, I mean, he was probably one of my favorite guests in the latter years of his career because he would just come on and he would give it back to Steve as much as Steve gave it to him. Yeah. And I think it's incredible because I bet there was a time when he hated Mathis <laughs> and wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah, Steve's, Steve's mentioned that a few times. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think the, relationship, the relationship grows, and I think the riders really just have to open themselves up and want it to grow as well, right? And that's where you see, like, you know, Barsha's come back, and, you know, like Steve says, it's always about Anderson and not, you know, like blocking him and not wanting to come on the show. Like, you know, he's like, they always come back eventually. Yeah, and, and he's right about that. I think, again, this he, he's trying – I, I always say every week I'm going to get the dark sides gargling Steve's balls thing, but he's trying to make this thing as professional as possible with a little bit of entertainment in it. But he he's again not going to pull punches for the most part. He maybe he goes a little easy on guys like AC, but I don't really think so. The guys that he's really close with, I think he see, he says it like a true journalist uh, should, and, and that's why people trust him. That's why the the listeners, the fans. Uh, listen, because they know they're going to get at least what Steve typically believes to be the facts are, you know, the truth. Um, and and uh, these guys like Jason Anderson may not want to hear the negativity when Steve puts it out there, but he's not going to stop doing it. And I appreciate that. Um, one more thing. Adam C. and Cirilla comes on, of course, always a fantastic interview. Not going to get into a ton of details. You guys, if you haven't listened, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Go back and listen to the Monday show. Um, I did enjoy the caller. I think his name was Chris that wanted to call in Kurt and bury the beef with AC. He had been blocked by AC like years ago, apparently, or a long time ago. And well, he blocked, he blocked AC. Was that, I thought he, that's I, what he said. Yeah. No, he blocked AC. Okay. Yeah, so, he stopped following AC. That's right. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get blown yeah, out for, yeah, I'm going to get blown out for, yeah. for missing that, that detail, but that's Okay. Uh, but the the highlight for me, like it all threw me off when the guy started screaming at Steve, "You're a show interrupter! Just let me finish!" Like that, that was fantastic. The fact that Steve didn't just cut him off, uh, Kurt was. I, I love that he let that guy go. Yeah, I thought uh, just because. I mean, you hear guys like that go on there all the time, and. Yeah. You know, he, he pulls the plug pretty quick. Uh, so for that guy to bring something up like that, uh, yeah, that was kind of awkward. That made me crawl out <laughs> just listening to it. So um, I don't know. But, yeah, apparently he wanted to say sorry, and it's been <laughs> not letting him sleep for about for however long he said. He said it was quite a few years. But yeah, I, I found that. I found that pretty interesting. Well, and AC handled it pretty well. He was like, "Yeah, man, we're cool," you know. Instead of being like, "Who the f are you?" He, uh, I, well, I, I on, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah. On top of that, he's like, "I don't even remember that." Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was. That was. I just want to say too, like, sorry to interrupt you, Darkside, but like AC handled like a pro because he is a media pro. 
Yeah. I mean, he's light years ahead of every other rider pretty much when it comes to how he deals with the media. You're you're 100 percent right. Um, he he is very good at it. He's been doing it a long time, and he he shows a little bit of personality, uh, but keeps everything like at the same time doesn't um, like we, in this in this interview where he was talked about going to MX of Nations. He was really careful to not say the wrong thing, but at the same time, still being fresh and entertaining. Uh, yeah, he's I, people should watch videos of him to train to learn how to do this. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, run yeah. down some of these sponsors again, just real quick. Once again, all these sponsors allow the Pulp Show and all the the shows that follow under Pulp MX to happen. Atlas Brace, FMF Racing, Roost Graphics, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Get Data, Firepower, Batteries and Chains, EVS Sports, Eagle Grit Hand Cleaner, Motorcycle, IndustryJobs.com, LAHondaWorld.com, OGO Bags, and Ride Engineering. Just some of the many sponsors on board with Pulp. Um, so... Eric, just as a rating, give me a give me a grade on this episode. What do you think of it? As, you know, A, B, C, D. Well, I think anytime you have the combination of Kiefer in studio with some Kiefer after dark and uh, and Adam Cincerello on the show, I think you're going to probably creep into the A territory. I mean, those two alone, I think that just that ratchets it up to me. Um, I feel like the Marvin. You know, like like I say, there was a connection made with Marvin about that story from 2007 that I think kind of upped the game with Marvin as well. So yeah, I'd, I'd put this in the you know like right in the A in the A A minus. I mean, it's no laser gate. Come on, but <laughs> right. But uh, but for you know for a solid show where you don't you don't have a massive controversy brewing. I mean, there's some little ones floating around there, but you don't have something like you don't have a red button if you like laser gate to really send it through the roof um this show is a solid man like i i i gotta give it more than a b plus so i'm gonna give it just a straight a i like it i like it kurt what about you man is this a is this a, a high scoring show for you or a low scoring show uh i'm opinion i i'd say a a minus i mean it was good like obviously eight you know on top of what eric said a you know uh you got ac on there and Kiefer and Kiefer SSI, that always makes it really good. Um, catching Moose Kid on there, that's pretty neat just because he's not on there a lot. But, um, right. And then, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, and like there wasn't a whole lot of topics to talk about. I'm sure once the uh, designation team gets locked in for good and then, you know, they pursue that, that'll be a good episode, I'm sure. So, yeah. But yeah, A minus. Okay, uh, so I want to jump into talking about the producers for a second. Then there's a reason I want to talk, not, not just Travis, but over the, the history. We've had uh, Tits, we've had Gibbs. Um, Eric, so again, you being the long, longer listener, um, where are you at with the producers and how they've ev- uh, come along? Like Travis does a lot more, I think, than some of the other guys did. Uh, his His drops are on point most of the time. We talked about that last week a little bit when Travis was on, and I have a reason to ask this, but what do you think about where the show's at with the production side? Travis answering the calls, making sure Steve gets the stuff he needs, getting everybody you know in line, running the show. Talk about Travis Marks and the, and then Gibbs and, and Tiss from the past. Sure. Well, I mean, I think Travis is doing a fantastic job. What I really like about Travis on the Pulp Show is he's very good at just He's very good, even though he's very busy, he's very good at sensing the moment when he needs to just throw in a comment. 
right, to bring Steve down a notch. And I love right. that little banter. Like, he'll just throw in two or three words, right? You know, like, when, as soon as he started talking about being trapped under the bike with Marvin, he chimed in with the fake science. Yep. Right? Like, he's just got a good way of doing that. Like, you would have never gotten that out of Tits. Oh, tits yeah, is just, definitely. Like, unless Tits was prodded, Tits wasn't really going to talk. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure, and, and Tits, like, I've talked to him on the when I've called in on the Moto 60 show and stuff, he's a, he's a good guy and everything, but he's very passive. Right. Um, and, and Travis is a little more interactive that way. And then like Gibbs was, man, Gibbs was tough. Like Gibbs, Gibbs had an interesting personality and I think he had passion, but he was just a little bit of a, he, I don't know. Like there was just maybe the way it was too much for him, right. Handling the calls, trying to keep track of wherever they are around the show, doing the drops, all that. I think it just kind of overwhelmed Gibbs. And then when he got overwhelmed, he would get, just kind of get angry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not easy, man. And Travis handles it well. Travel has, Travis has the perfect demeanor. Um, Kurt, one of the reasons I kind of want to touch on this was a little bit is um, Travis, and I, again, talked about this last week, is very good about hearing things that could be drops and then later putting them into the show and at this point at this point in the show where we're at um this guy john calls in and he wants to give a shout out to his boy june bug um which is funny just right off the bat and just talks about steve being the greatest guy and how much he loves the show and i'm on board with all that because i, I love the show too Kiefer though Kiefer, i don't think Kiefer realizes what he did at this point um he starts singing suck in the dick suck a dick.com and he says, hey, man, let me get in here and uh, suck your dick for a few seconds. Uh, I think he screwed on that. I think I think we will see those drops on the app, hopefully by the end of the week, Kurt. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty comical, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, did you catch that when it happened? Because I caught it on my second listen through some of this. I don't think I did, but okay. that sounds pretty funny, though. Well, uh, I kind of caught it. Okay. Yeah, I kind of caught it, and I was like, "Oh boy, that's yeah, that's material." <laughs> yeah, I, I had made a note about Junebug, um, and classic, classic Pulpamex banter. It's going to be a drop without a doubt. Um, yeah, we definitely need to get these as ringtones at some point. Hopefully, even if Steve has to charge a dollar ninety nine for a ringtone, um, I think I'd be willing to pay for some of these. Um, okay, so another big topic. Uh, the X brand stuff, of course, but Kenny Watts or Kenny, uh, Ken Roxon is somebody I want to talk about. They, they talk about a call. D, caller calls in, brings up DV winning the T Tijuana Supercross, but then he asks about Roxon's legacy. Kenny Roxon's injury has been a hot topic for like two years now. And of course now he has this illness thing or whatever it may be. Um, and Steve makes a mention, Eric, that, you know, well, Steve's or Kenny's injury was gnarly. Uh, it could have been two or three more championships had he not get in, gotten injured. I, I feel like they're giving him a, a kind of a pass sometimes for his inconsistencies because of his injury. When a guy like Eli Tomac, who had, you know, blew out both his shoulders and had surgery, that he's not getting a pass. Uh, why do you think? They seem to, Steve seems to give Kenny this pass, or or am I misreading this? I think it's hard to. Uh, I mean, I sort of agree with you on one hand. Like, I think at some point we have to move past the Roxon injury, and you know, from 2017. I I think 
the hardest thing is, is you look at the level he rode at in 2016, the Supercross season was a little rocky at the start, but man, in the outdoors, 20 or 24 motos, I mean, he came into 17, it, I mean, he looked like a world beater, right? Mm-hmm. And then he has this horrific injury. You know, he has to have, what, 12, 13 surgeries. He gets compartment syndrome. I mean, you can lose your arm with compartment syndrome quite easily. I mean, it is a remarkable comeback story. How you tie it into his legacy, though, is it's difficult, right? Like, every rider has some obstacle. You know, like, you can go back and look at Christoph Purcell's legacy. The guy was paralyzed mm. and came back and won two Supercross titles, right? right? Yeah, sure. Where do we, what do we say? What did, what did Purcell give up? Because, you know, he had a massive injury and came back and won again. How do we remember him? It, it, I don't know how you put, I don't know how you contextualize a legacy and try to have some caveat for time missed. It's really difficult. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, what are your thoughts on, on Kenny and that? And, you know, should, should we let the injuries go and, um, you know, just, yeah, maybe be a little harsh. Should Steve maybe be a little harsher on Kenny when he, you know, drops back, drops anchor basically. I don't, I don't, think you should ever let those injuries go. I think those are injuries that are much more significant than your basic injuries, obviously. Like, the guy should not have been able to come back to riding. I think that should actually be a part of his legacy. Like, the dude went through two massive surgeries back-to-back years, defeated all odds, and was still off to go moto wins and the outdoor nationals and almost, you know, obviously Cooper Webb beat him in the last turn in the Supercross. For what the guy is capable of still, you know, being able to do mm-hmm. now after all the adversity he's overcame, I I think that is going to be a part of his legacy. Does he win a championship or not? I don't. I mean, I would like to think that he can definitely pull one out in the next three years whether it be Supercross or outdoors. He definitely has the talent, and he's good enough. I think he's just got to get all his ducks lined up in a row and put in the consistent laps. I mean, you see it here and there. He goes one moto, getting lapped, taking 14th, and then all of a sudden he's out and in front, you know, leading Webb, and looks like he's, the old Ken Rockin that we seen at, you know, Monster Energy Cup in, what, 2016, when he was just crushing everybody before the injury in 17. If yeah. I'm, I think those are the correct years, right? But, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it, last time you see something like that was like a Villa Poto or a Carmichael or something, you know? Like, putting a massive gap on somebody like that. So... Okay. I don't know. I think that's something definitely to look at. Okay. Well, I just want to clarify. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I just want to clarify one thing too. Like, I agree with Kurt. That in, the injury is part of the legacy, right? Like, no matter where the career goes from here, that injury is part of his legacy, and it's going to define. It's like a defining moment in his career. What he does after the injury, what he did before the injury. I guess where I was saying where we need to leave the injury aside is when we start talking about race win totals and championships and everything, it gets murky, right? Like you're speculating, like how many, like Steve was speculating, how many championships Roxham would have won. Yeah. I don't think you can write, you can't write somebody in and say, well, okay, K 
Ken should be fourth on the all-time list because he could have won right. these ones. That's like saying if Bailey didn't get right. paralyzed in 86, we'd move him a whole way up higher. So it's very messy any way you slice it when you start talking about legacies and try to account for periods of a career missed. Well, he's always going to have a legacy as being a badass for sure and overcoming all of that and still coming out and doing what he's doing now. There's oh, no absolutely. Well, they, yeah, fair. I mean, that's good. Um, so, Steve, Kenny doesn't necessarily get a pass. It just is part of the makeup of who he is and his, his career. And, and yeah, uh, good points. Um, okay, so Cameron McAdoo is the next guest of the night. Uh, Cameron talks about rewatching the race, trying to learn some things. Uh, Cameron Cameron's having a you know pretty damn good season, honestly. Um, doing good things. TK uh, Tyler Keefe has got to be. Fairly pleased with uh, McAdoo. They talk about that a little bit. We're not going to touch a ton on t- uh, McAdoo, other than uh, Steve kind of turns it, you know, towards the end. Says, "Hey, man, the worst the worst part about you doing so well is you can't ride straight rhythm. No more ram it." Uh, and at which point Steve brings up a Ray riding uh, straight rhythm for Swap Moto Live. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you guys think about? You know, Cameron obviously was a good interview, but I wanted to ask you, Eric. Uh, what I was pretty surprised that Alex was riding for Swap Motor Live. I know he's good friends with Swap, but I would have thought he would have went with Steve first, quite honestly. Yeah, I think he's got, uh, you know, he's mountain bike buddies with Don. True, and he's true. Been on, he's been on Swap Motor Live quite a few times since the Trans World, you know, since Trans World folded and Don's reincarnated it. He seems to be maybe aligning himself more with swap at this point than pulp so you know when steve talked to you know he put the pull they wanted to put the poll out there like should should he be banned and uh you know like maybe uh maybe a needs to remember where some of the original love came from right like like a ray like many of these guys um in that mold the seven deuce deuce uh you can just i mean right now you're seeing it happen with zane Merritt, right like steve kind of makes these guys Right, the yeah. Pulp Show makes these guys. Their appearances on the show make these guys. So, Aries should probably remember his roots a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I bet. I wonder if he listens to this. I know he listens to all the Pulp Show. I'll, I need to get a hold of Alex and just ask him what he thinks about that. Maybe we can have an update. No, I just got blocked. So yeah, I'm really, good. I just got blocked on Twitter now. <laughs> no, after saying that, like, uh, oh, oh, I got blocked for sure. <laughs> Uh, Alex is quick to block people. That's for sure. Um, all right, Kurt. So Will calls in. Will uh, Will Han calls in for his weekly call, which I've gotten to where I'm. I'm pretty in, in big high anticipation for Will to call in, and they continue their discussion on this flip off flip off contest. I, I wish Steve and Will would have like this hidden camera videographers walking around so we could catch some of this. I just feel like this would be classic. Uh, classic footage that would be enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I would, I would want to like camcord it and yeah. have like the Jaws music going in the background <laughs> with that. I think that would be ideal. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would be pr- pretty funny. I actually was talking uh, to one of my buddies at work about that. I was like, and he has no idea about motocross and mm-hmm. stuff like that. He's just a normal guy and. I was like, man, yeah, these guys, like, every time they see each other at the track, you know, they get a point if they flip each other off first and this and that. I was like, we should do something like that here with some of the guys. And, Absolutely. And they all thought it was, they, they had a kick out of it. So, 
just seeing that camaraderie, uh, you know, obviously when you're in a business like that, and it's that small of a business, like people perceive it as like, oh, motocross is huge. But when you're in the industry, like there's not a lot of people. Everybody kind of knows everybody. It's a small little group. So you got you to gotta find a way to make it fun, right, when you're doing all the traveling and not getting yep. sleep and you know, all the BS and well, just like every other job, it gets old. So you got, you got to find a way to give it some spark and have a little bit, a little bit of fun every now and then. Yeah. I mean, Eric, I mean, Will, Will's been a pleasant, uh, addition as far as a weekly person, you know, he, he's been on in the past many times, but I think he's really adding to the show. Um, did you catch his little laugh that he kept doing? It was like reminding me of Beavis and Butthead almost they were talking about the Kawi Forks, uh, that sucks so bad, and, and a couple other little things, and he was just in the background giggling. Did you catch any of that? Yeah, I was kind of laughing about it, because I, I kind of was like, what's it, like, is Will just laughing about the fork here, or is he kind of just, like, taking it out on Kawasaki? Like, right. You know, like, they were also talking about the fire-breathing star Yamahas and yes. everything, and... Uh, yeah, it seemed like Will was just kind of. I, I envisioned him just kind of sitting there rubbing his hands together, right? Like, like this is just more Yamaha PR here for me. So I'll just throw in a few Snickers along the way. <laughs> yeah, it was cracking me but, up. Yeah, he's a good addition to the show having him weekly. I think yep. you know, like, because uh, again, that's another guy that over time, like he and Steve built up a you know a great a great little friendship. And back when he was racing, you know, there's a period of time when Steve was sponsoring him mm-hmm. with the helmet, with the visor sticker, right? And then, oh, yeah. And then, and then Will took the, the deal with Showy when he went 450, right? And then he couldn't have, Steve couldn't have the decal on there anymore. And that, you know, came up with the whole, like, Showy money. And I think that's where the F Will Han drop came out. And, I mean, Will's a great, he's a great personality. And, uh, yeah, he adds a lot. I'm, I'm really actually pleased to have that kind of weekly segment added in with him. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. And um, uh, okay, so I call in, of course, uh, to discuss a topic which almost got blown over to a degree. Uh, so Steve can tell me, you know, that I'm not doing a good job or that I'm doing a lot of things wrong with this show, of course, and the, the voicemails are coming up. They're going to blow me out. Um, yeah, man, I'm just trying to have <laughs> thick skin. Uh, I told Steve later, man, I'm just going to stop calling in. Jeez. Uh, Kurt, uh, so tell me, I don't know how many of these you've listened to. Uh, is Steve right, you know, or Steve wrong? Because Steve's confusing the shit out of me with what I need to do with this show. Steve is Steve. Okay. Steve, Steve is Steve. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Dean is Dean and Steve is Steve. I like it. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it starts out. I'm not going to bullshit here. I think it is kind of funny uh, in a way where, you know, you call in and talk. And I get it. Like, you know, you're obviously a fan, too, and you want to bullshit, and you got you always have some good input to say. But it's just kind of weird when you're like, oh, you're the guy who's doing the after show, and you're calling in. So, like, I can see where people can – you're like, oh, what the, you know, what the hell is he doing? Like calling in, he's gonna run the after show. Yeah. So, somebody, but, uh, somebody yeah. mentioned that recently. They were like, well, I, I don't remember if it was on the show. It may have been a voicemail. I think it was. And the guy's like, you know, Dark Side has his own show. Why the fuck's he calling to your show? You know, fuck that guy. Blah blah blah. And you know, like, I think I talked to Steve about this off the air, but I was like, look, 
I I like the Pulp Show. Clearly, I'm a dork. I like calling in. Um, you know, now that I'm, I call in every week just to try to get the promotion for this show in, but yeah, I just call in because I enjoy it. And I really don't give a shit if anybody likes it. The fact that I call in or not, if Steve has a problem with it, he'll tell me to stop calling. But, um, right. but yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, maybe, maybe there's too much dark side, Eric. I don't know. I think it's fine. You know, one thing I noticed too, dark side, when you call in, you're very respectful of your time on the show and you don't try to, I mean, this last time you, there was mostly Steve just yammering away about what a failure the wrap up show is and how you're doing everything wrong, but he can't tell you what he really wants you to do either. So, but in general, I find like you, you do call in pretty much every show, but you keep it, you keep it short. You sense the moment, right. Of when to just, you know, like, okay, that's good. And you always, you know, you sign off appropriately. So I'm good with that, man. Like, I think it's fine. You have passion for the sport. You know, you're running your own podcast. You got a day job. Like, I think it's I think it's awesome. Okay, why? Well, and I think this show. I think the cool thing about this show is people need to just lighten up, man. Like <laughs> the whole premise of this show. It's a show about a show. There's an irony to that whole thing, right? right? It's like people just need to lighten up, like. Well, it, it, the world has gotten so negative because, like, to me, like, I don't listen to the fantasy, the, the fantasy show. Even though I love fantasy, I really don't listen to it. I just don't download it. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't say, why the fuck are you having a fantasy show? And, and it's bullshit. And, uh, I mean, I have listened to a couple of them recently. And uh, because of some a comment that Steve made about what Dan Truman was talking about on one of the shows, I had to check it out. But, like, if you don't like it, just don't listen. Even if it, you know, I know he puts it in the main feed, so it automatically downloads if you subscribe. But you don't have to listen. It's not the end of the world. But people love, just keyboard warriors love bagging on people. I'm going to blow somebody out. This is off the, the the record a little bit, or off the subject. But, so Paige Craig, uh, a couple nights ago, posted on Twitter her, t- her tweet was, whatever happened to Ricky Martin, which is the La Vida Loca guy, right? From the pop guy from a few years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Yeah. Some other dude, I'm not, I'm not going to say who he was. You guys can go find the tweet. He's like, oh, whatever happened to your husband's speed? What the fuck is the point of that? Like, wh- what is that going to do for anybody? Like, keep, you know, the old saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I, I don't understand why people feel the need to throw out this negativity these days. You know, if you don't like... Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you the first thing about that. The reason why people do that is they're they're just starving for attention. That's all they want. Whatever they're doing in life, they're looking themselves in the mirror and they fucking hate what they're doing. And they feel shitty and they have a lack of discipline and they're too lazy to get up and do something about it. So what they got to do is they want to go out and they want to try getting some sort of attention from somebody who is higher up than them and, and try bringing them down because they're not happy with themselves. I, it's bullshit. You're, I get it 100%, but yeah. you see it all the freaking time. Like, people do that shit. They run their mouths about something they don't know. And half of these people, like with the Pulp MX, a lot of them guys that are on the show, they have no idea. Like, if you were to sit one-on-one with them and talk about the archives and just logistically, like, just legit talk to them about motocross, I guarantee there's a lot of guys out there that try listening or try, 
you know, throwing shit up on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, you look at their pages and they're like, they're nobodies. And I'm not saying we are anybody, but sure, like we've been around the sport for a really long time. We've grown up. We've do, we've been doing it for, you know, I've been doing it for 22 years now. So, I mean, you have yeah, I, time invested into it. So I agree with Kurt, and I think a big. Sorry, man. No, you're good. Sorry. I didn't mean to blow you out there, but I think a big part of it, too, is like you say, it's it's insecurity, right? And I, I, I turned 50 last year, and, like, at this point, I'm good. Like, I'm very comfortable with who I am. I raced motorcycles from age 8 to 18. I had a decent run. I started hitting the ground a lot. <laughs> I decided I'd go to school instead, right? Yeah. Like, I'm comfortable with it. I don't need to go throw shade about anybody on Vital or – go on Instagram, but man, dude, when I read writers' Instagrams, oh, I am just, I am afraid for society. Yep, yep. That's, as we move forward. That's like, my some point. Of the stuff that people are willing to say to a writer, like, come on. Or, or, or just, to me. It blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, or to me. That's, I guess that's kind of where I got the, the point or was. Or to you, yeah, exactly, yeah, right? Like, like I, I don't like, know. I mean, the Aussie I, guy with the voicemail. Yeah. Go ahead, Dirk. Yeah, like I enjoy doing it. If you don't like it, don't listen. As long as Steve allows me to do it, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, I enjoy it. You know, it just is what it is. Uh, but yeah, let's stop the negativity. I mean, just keep it to yourself. But it's it's not going to happen. I agree. It's probably only going to get worse. Let's wrap this thing up. We got a few more little topics um, that I want to touch upon right off the bat. The emails. Graham does not like the wrap up show. I'm sorry, Graham. Um, Steve, uh, one of the emails is about Steve being grumpy. Uh, he's mean sometimes. And uh, Kiefer, Kiefer asked Marks his opinion, and Mark says his bedside manner can be improved. So there are moments when Steve will let somebody ramble on, like we heard earlier in the show, and there's moments when Steve has had enough. Um, over the years of listening to the show, uh, Eric and, and Kurt, we'll start with you, Eric, have you noticed his uh, not – temper necessarily where he just he's gotten shorter with people eric i think i think he's consistent with it and i think it's not progressed over the years but what it does is it progresses over the season Ah. so he starts out in january he's super pumped it's a new season it's everything's new he's pumped he's much more there's a lot more leeway with callers i find and then as he starts to get burned out on the travel and everything and all the shows he's running and a few missed flights and whatever, he just gets less and less. You can just see it. Like he gets less and less tolerant of people that want to ramble on or have a, you know, like, like that Dylan kid. If he would have been calling in the fourth hour of the show, dude, he would have been ripped apart and hung up on. And, and you know, like, I, I, but I think it's like just a progression through the year. And then he resets himself and we start over again in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets freshened up. That's true, uh, Kurt. Um, same thing, I guess. What do you think? You think? It, are, do you agree with what Eric's perception? Because I think he's right. I I agree with Eric, except on one phone call. Okay, it was probably about a month ago. I'm sure you guys remember. He sounded like a 18 year old Southern Georgia kid that was just going on and on and on and for some reason Mathis let him stay on for like four minutes and he kept arguing with Mathis. I I forget off the top of my head right now what they were arguing about and I'm just like 
holy shit, dude. I can't believe, like, he has not hung up on him yet. Like, it was really bad. And the one they I were re- even talking about it after. Yeah, the one I remember was where he was getting, like, some Starbucks signage or something. The guy went on and on and on, and Steve just listened because he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a perk in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay, a couple more things. Um uh, again, this show, I've had some technical difficulties. We've talked about it. I've got bombarded a little bit on the Pulp Show. Uh, la- uh, Monday night, we had a basset get wrapped up in one of the cords, and there were some sound issues. Clippy, clippy, Steve. Clippy, clippy. Uh, yeah, I just got to bust some balls a little bit. Um, anyway, and I asked, uh, we're going to have the first installment of Hello Pookie at the end of this show. I'm going to tag it on at the end. They, they, I pre-recorded them. But um, one of the things I asked Pookie about was, or Pookie mentioned, was like Steve's growth, like him being nicer in the beginning when she met him. Um, it, you'll, you guys have to listen to hear that. It's going to be, I don't even know when I'm going to actually add that particular show. But she talks about Steve's, the way he's changed over the years. That was one of the questions, and she kind of gets into that a little bit. It's pretty interesting. I, I really like Pookie's insight. I think Pookie's going to be a good, uh, hello, Pookie's going to be a good addition to the wrap-up show. Uh, guys, so tweets were good. Uh, they finished with Kiefer after dark. No details, really. I don't want to touch on it too much. I've said before, I love Kiefer after dark. It's not for everybody. Kurt, um, anything? Do you like Kiefer after dark? And did anything stand out to you this week? Um, I actually like them a lot. Um, I I've had my wife listen to them, mm-hmm. uh, especially the one with. Uh, Jake Weimer, oh, we got yeah. a little rips. Yeah, that was great. So we we're on our way to the lake house that uh, that weekend, that following weekend, and it's about an hour and a half drive for us. And and on the way up there, we we're listening to the Pulp MX show, and and uh, like my wife got to listen to that one, the Keep Keeper After Dark, and she's like, I like this. This is kind of funny, and like, oh, good. they're talking about some funny shit. So and. My wife, like she, you know, she's been around the motocross for ten years now with me, and and uh, she's not all into it, but she thought that was pretty cool. She never listens to the podcast or anything, but okay. that one she did, and she got a kick out of it. Um, I think the Kiefer After Dark stuff's pretty good, actually. One of uh, one of my good buddies from down in Florida, and if he's listening to this, he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He called in and had a uh, story to tell on there. So okay. maybe, uh, and he got some good, some good words out of Keeper for that. So nice. I uh, think it's it, it's pretty funny, and I, I get a good kick out of it. For sure. Yeah. B- before I ask you about it, Eric, uh, Kurt, you had mentioned your your East Coast. So you said you talked about laying in bed uh, and starting the show for a little bit, and your wife kind of giving you crap a little bit. Um, and yep. I, I'm sure you're kind of, you know, joking a little bit, but how does your how does your wife feel about the show? Has she listened to a full episode ever? I mean, what does she think about it when you spend some time listening? Like, re- really? Yeah, so, so like, um, during the winter, you know, obviously over here in Ohio, um, you know, wintertime, it's always snowing and stuff. And for me, like, growing up, even when I was growing up racing, because I'm 32 now, when I was growing up racing through, you know, elementary all the way through high school and stuff, uh, the way that I stayed in shape was uh, wrestling during mm-hmm. the winter every every year. Uh, 
And uh, so now I'm a wrestling coach there in the wintertime. That helps pass the time to get ready for stay in shape for motocross during the summer. And so whenever we go to these wrestling tournaments and I'll take her with me wherever we're going, we always listen to the podcast in the truck. And she sometimes gets a little annoyed just because it's talking. She'd rather listen to music. But uh, she knows how much I love listening to the Pulp MX shows, and it keeps me informed if I'm not reading online all the time. Okay. So, cool. And uh, I always like getting a laugh, so she supports us. Good, good, good. All right, Eric, so Kiefer After Dark, and then like, I'll, I'll ask you about what your, your, your significant other thinks. But what about Kiefer After Dark? So Kiefer After Dark, I... You know, I, I enjoy it. It makes me laugh. I, I feel like 50% of them are probably fake. Okay. Um, you know, like of the stories that get sent in or whatever, I think there's just a lot of like, and it's funny, right? Yeah. But I guess I kind of look at it with one eye open, like, all right, you know, like this is probably just some guy who wants to, to kind of throw Kiefer a curveball. The thing about it that's cool is, I mean, it obviously just shows, again, Kiefer's passion, right? Yep. Like, he's into it, right? Like, he loves trying to help people out. And the ones, like, that are more legitimate about people's relationships and stuff, you know, he does hand out some pretty good advice. And, uh, you know, I think he wants to help people. He's just, he's, that's his nature. So uh, I, I enjoy it. I, cool. I never, like, I, I always listen through it. I never, ever just say, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm turn, tuning out. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I get pretty excited for them. I, I, I like when there's at least four or five of them. When there's only, like, two, I get really bummed out. Um, well, yeah, let me ask you about your significant other. I, I, these shows take a long time to listen to. I, I don't You may listen to them at work, but um, do you spend any time at home listening and, or in the car with your significant other? You know, it's funny, but, like, my, my wife didn't know me in motocross at all, right? Because I was done when I met her, and ah. so... Like, she, she'll come to a race. Like, she likes to come to Supercrosses, and just she's kind of more into it just because I'm into it, right? Yeah. Because, like, I love going to races, and I usually try to get to two or three a year, and and I should have been at Washougal, but, again, I missed it somehow. But, uh, you know, she's kind of just – she's into it because she sees how, how into it I am, right? right? And, and, and it's kind of like, for me, it's a weird thing where – you know, like I always kept in touch with the sport, even after I had stopped racing and riding and, you know, I was in school and then I was racing bicycles for what seemed like forever, but it was like this perfect storm coincided where I quit racing bicycles and, you know, at the same time, like motocross was getting like, you know, supercross was live now on television and you had all this kind of new wave media coming out, like the podcast and everything. Right. And it really helped to just pull me right back in to like being a huge fan and honestly, like, that's where this whole thing, you know, like, pulp the whole empire, it really enhances my enjoyment of the sport tremendously. Like, I wouldn't be nearly as into it without the whole empire. I, I think that's a key to a key statement to why yeah, pulp is what it is, why I like it. It has completely changed how I watch the sport, how I think about the sport with all the the privateers and, and yeah. And during the race, I'm thinking, ah, oh, they're going to talk about this moment, you know, like Jason Anderson passing Savachi off the track. Like, Oh, this is going to be a hot topic come Monday night, you know? Yeah. So yeah, good, good points. Um, my chick got to sit in the press box at Denver with us and Chris and Heather were there next to us. Steve and uh, Pookie were all there and Steve and Chris were just, typical Steve and Chris and like Amber, my fiance was just laughing and laughing and laughing. I'm trying to watch the race and I just keep hearing laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? 
And she's like, they're so funny talking about Steve and Chris. I was like, you know what? I can be funny too. But yeah, she, <laughs> she was all in. She, she thought it was a riot, but Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Let's do our BTO hot takes. Uh, and then we'll get to hello Pookie and call it a night. So Kurt, I'm gonna let you go first. What is your BTO hot take? I'll pass off to Eric. I want to hear his first. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll allow it. All right, fair enough. All right, my BTO hot take. This one goes a little into the future, but, you know, we're talking now. We've heard the rumors about uh, about how Honda might be taking Brayton on. Yep. And Savachi's not going there. So my BTO hot take is Joey Savachi, two years, JGR, bonds well with the team. He wins a Supercross next year and finishes top five in the points. Nice. That's my hot take. Joey on a yellow bike okay. with a good crew of people around him. Yep. They're kind of quirky, and Joey's quirky. I think it's going to work out, and he's going to surprise everybody in 2020. Okay. All right, Kurt, it's your turn now. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, JB, if he goes to Honda, if he ends up, if he ends up being with uh, Ken Roxon yep. over there at Honda... I'm going to say he's going to do a triple crown overall. Okay. I want to say second second triple crown, and he'll take the overall. All right. Good hot takes. Uh, Kurt. Yeah, we got a little, uh, got a little of uh, the uh, silly season hot takes going there. Yeah, definitely, and it's coming, yeah. man. It's, this is an exciting time of the year. Uh, well, the races are winding down, but there's always we – get, we start getting hyped up already for 2020. Uh Kurt Schroyer, Eric Harvey, I appreciate you guys coming on tonight. Uh, I am Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show. Uh, stay tuned for the first edition of Hello Pookie, and we will be back in two weeks. No show next week, so if you hate the wrap-up show, but for some reason you're still listening, at least there won't be one next week. That's it, boys. Thanks. Thank you. All right. See ya. What's up, Pookie? Hey, hello, hello. How are you? Doing great. So we've got uh, another question for this week. Uh, This week is, what's one benefit and one disadvantage to being married to a motocross media tycoon? Oh, a benefit and a disadvantage. Um, Okay, a disadvantage is that Steve doesn't let me go back after people that go after him <laughs> ah. because like heather kiefer because she does you know kiefer gets a lot less of it and but heather goes after people vicious and i love it because i want to do that and i used to do that you know i used to block people and you know t- tell them like f you dude or whatever yeah um i don't even really read the comments anymore but you know it, not nothing hardly gets deceived now but you know in the beginning when you start getting all this kind of criticism and you know people want to take shots at you know the way that you look or the way that you sound or the work that you're putting in and it's just ridiculous so i really wish that sometimes i could go back at the keyboard warriors and like really tell them <laughs> what i think of them so um, I guess that would be a disadvantage. There's nothing about Steve's job that really makes me unhappy. Right. Um, the travel the travel schedule has always been the same ever since I met Steve. He's been on the same circuit with Supercross and Motocross. So it's all I've ever known with him. Um, in the beginning of our relationship, before we were married, I kind of would be, you know, pissy when he would leave. But then you realize, like, how could you do that? You know, you can't be mad if he's out working at his job and this has always been what he's done. So. Sure. 
just kind of learn to um, adapt and appreciate my alone time and then just, you know, even enjoy it more when he is home. And he's been taking more time off the races. He, when there's a weekend off, sometimes he'll book the week before that off the race so he could have multiple weekends in a row at home, which is really nice. We get more of a normal schedule that way. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been off a few weeks out of the last couple of months. I, I didn't know he wasn't going to be at Millville, so I was pretty bummed when I got up there. Weege, we had cheesies, Hawkins cheesies for him, and uh, he wasn't there. So Weege and... Oh, you didn't even know he wasn't going to be there. No. Well, I, I wasn't able to get on social media all that week because I was there since Tuesday because I went and ra- raced amateur day, and there's no phone signal whatsoever, no social media for a whole week. I had no idea what was going on. And, uh, yeah, I walked into press Friday or Saturday morning, I guess, and saw Weege and said, Hey, where's Steve? Oh, he's not coming this week. Son of a bitch. So, no, yeah, we stayed home, but we did not go to the strip club. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And as far as what you're talking about, about going back at the keyboard warriors, I personally would love to see it. Um, I think it'd be fun. I, if Steve doesn't lot, want you doing it, I guess that's fair enough. But, um, you know, I, I get a little teeny bit of it lately and, I try to just laugh it off and say, yeah, yeah, you're cool, bro, whatever. But it's a, it's a little annoying. So I think you having a chance to go back at those people would be entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, it would be. But honestly, the way that I am in my life now, I just try to be so positive and not really let any negative energy in at all. So right. I don't even know if I could anymore. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure I could tell somebody off if I really wanted to or if they said something crazy. But I don't know. I just... I just kind of don't live my life that way anymore, but That's good, I don't buddy. know. It would be fun sometimes because, you know, people are just so big and bad and yep. they want to say so much and they have no idea. Right, right. Well, how about an advantage of his schedule um, being the, the superstar he is? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to probably think of a specific advantage for me because, I mean, I'm sure from the outside, you know, our life looks very privileged in what we've accomplished or what Steve's accomplished in moto and, you know, everything that we have. Like, I'm sitting down here in the studio right now, and every inch of the studio is just absolutely covered in memorabilia and Steve's accomplishments and his hard work and just so many things, like, and it's just all my home to me. So I'm a little bit jaded that way. Um, I do love walking through the pits with Steve, and if I see people when they pass him and then they'll say to their friend, that was Steve Mathis, that was Steve (laughs) Mathis. Like they didn't, they couldn't say hi or something and they didn't, you know, they were just noticing Steve. So obviously they're not noticing that I'm there or anything, but I always love that. And sometimes I'll stop the person and say, oh, hi, you know, do you want to say hi to Steve? And I'll make him stop. Like if he can, just because I know how important that could be to somebody, how exciting that could be to, to see Steve just even walking through the pits. Like, you know, you never know where you're going to find him. And some people look all day, like they'll say on social media that they were looking all day literally for him yep. and just cannot find him you know because he's just moving all over the place so it must be so exciting for people to just be walking and then he just walks right past you and stuns you and then <laughs> oh my god that's Steve Rathers like I just always think that's so cool yeah I can relate because uh you know I've I've been doing our show for about two years but the two and a half years the previous year before that at Supercross I looked and looked and looked and looked at Dallas uh you know and, and I'd been listening to the Pulp Show at that time about a year and a half and yeah, just couldn't find him. And then I walked over to the Kawasaki pit and there he was sitting next to Mitch Payton and Weege. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you, you, you knew where like the, the trucks to look at JGR. Yeah. Howie, like he'll be somewhere around there. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah. That was really cool. And then the, the following year was my first year to do press. And I walked into the press box and he was the only one sitting there. And it was kind of like, Oh crap, do I go talk to him? Do I play this cool? Do I sit next <laughs> to him? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. Oh, I love that. I know. I think, yeah, it's cool. And, um, yeah, I just feel very fortunate to even be part of it. Like, it's just so awesome to hear stuff like that. I love it. Yeah, it's really cool, you know. And I know people are going to say, as they always do, that I always gargle his balls. But, you know, my response to that is always, even, you know, people talk to me about the wrap-up show. Like, oh, you have to disagree with him at some time. And, yeah, sometimes I do. But the fact is, what he does to me is so entertaining that even when I don't agree with him, I'm enjoying it. So I'm never really negative towards what Steve does. I just, I enjoy it. And he's very, very good at what he does. And I hope that someday our show could be even close to as good as his is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome because, you know, you get to listen to him. And like you said, even if you don't agree, you're still entertained. And I'm a really big Howard Stern fan. And I just really always Pulp fans to myself in the way that I'm a Howard Stern fan because I listen every day no matter what. I don't care if there's a guest on. I don't care if there's no <laughs> guest on. It doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. I'm listening. Um, and piggybacking on that, I just told Steve the other day, and he told me it was like one of the best compliments I ever gave him. He was trying to book guests for the show, and he kept saying, "I need a name guy. I need a name guy." And I told him that his fans are going to listen anyway. They don't care who the guests are. They're just going to listen because they want to hear the Pulp Show because that's what they do on Mondays or all throughout the week. And I mean, it's true. You just, people who are loyal, they just want to hear what I think what Steve has to say because he's unfiltered and um, unafraid. A hundred percent. I agree. And uh, we actually will. I have a couple stern type questions for you for future episodes of Hello Pookie. So we will get to that. But for this one, I I think that's it. Uh, Pookie, I appreciate your time. Okay, well, I just thought of one more advantage, oh, though. Yeah, it's have really it. quick, but it's Hit a it. really, really good one. Okay. Um, yeah, I just found out recently that Damon Bradshaw is going to be coming into to my house soon to co-host the public. What? Yes. I can't get Damon to return my email, so when he comes into in the studio... In my house. Yeah. Coming to my house. Yes. Oh, that's... that's I, well, we'll have to make sure that this particular episode get posted before that happens. It'll be a little sneak preview. That'd be awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Pookie, thanks again. All right, thanks, bro. Talk to you later. All right. Why would you want to re talk about the Pulp Show?